When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code POD to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code POD at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code POD. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Dustin Johnson puts together the best performance in the history of the Masters. He's the 2020 Masters champion. DJ, spin that record. 20 under par. That's what I was begging Nance as he made the final putt and he didn't do it. You were texting us. You were texting me and our friend Romy that that's what you wanted him to say. Do you, did you actually hear what he did say? Uh, it was. It sounded like he didn't get a clean like final call off. Like it, I, I don't know. A long-awaited Masters has a long-awaited champion, is what he said. That's fine. Oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Look, that, I'm not here to talk about Jim Nance. I'm I'm sick of foul though. I don't want to talk about any DJ's of that. DJ's been that record is is way better for the yeah. for the record well, on the record setting masters. Come on, come on, Nance. Didn't I'll let you have it. It's a happy ball. day. Um, I mean, what can you say, Dustin Johnson? It was in doubt for I don't know, maybe maybe five minutes when some JM got within one stroke in the middle of the front nine, then basically everyone runs away, hides. DJ goes nuts. Uh, it's another round in the 60s, 20 under. It's the lowest anyone's ever been at Augusta by two shots. It's it was it was amazing. Nick, what is your what's your initial takeaway of what DJ did? I think the most badass thing you can do in a golf tournament is be the leader through 54 holes and shoot the low round of the day. And nobody shot better than four under par, which is what DJ shot today. I think two or three other guys posted four under. So DJ, the 54 hole leader. This is fifth time he's been the 54-hole leader in a major championship, and he has not won any of those. His U.S. Open, he came from behind. He went out today and matched the low round of the day. Um, it's a statement, and it's badass, and now he's Masters champ. Two, I mean, we have been waiting for DJ to get another major, and it was just a matter of time, and his time has come. Yeah, it was. it's not one of those where... It's a player like Ricky. We talked about his major was inevitable, seeming less and less inevitable as we go on. DJ's had this run now where he's won a PGA Tour event every year of his career. He's been the most consistent player of his generation. And look, Nick, he has the fifth most weeks at number one in the world ever of any player in the history of golf. Now, the World Golf Ranking started in the mid-80s, so let's not get crazy with it. But even so, that's a remarkable stat. He was said he was playing his best coming into this. He looked dominant from start to finish. And my one thought with him 
was the ball striking was so incredible. Like I saw he was like, I think on his 70th hole, <laughs> he, hit, he hit 83% of the greens in regulation or something crazy like that. I don't even feel like he putted great. Like he obviously putted very well. You have to do that to win the Masters. But I felt like if he putt great, he could have shot like 25, 26 under par. He left a lot out there for how dominant he was compared to the rest of the field. I mean, I think maybe his his driving prowess overshadowed any anything on the green screen. I mean, I don't think he had a lot of hard putts. I mean, maybe he, he lagged a bunch up there and two-putted a bunch. Maybe his putting stats weren't crazy, but... He was in every fairway. It seems like he was never out of position. He made four bogeys all week. That is also another Masters record that probably won't go talked about as much because of the twenty under par. The man made four bogeys. So yeah, you got you got to keep it in play. You got to putt. You know, obviously no three putts if you're only making four bogeys. Um, that's incredible to get around Augusta. He he smashed the ball in the fairways. Like I said, eighty three percent of his greens. I mean, that's just. That's just dominant. I, I think that uh, a really impressive week for him. Yeah, and we mentioned the kind of brief 15-minute stretch where, you know, DJ didn't get off to a great start on Sunday. Some JM did. That four-shot lead was almost erased in the first five holes. Gets to one shot. Rory's making a, a mid-round charge. He's only a couple back at that point. And I was sitting there thinking, like, oh, my God, is this – is this really going to happen? Like I was starting to compose like Greg Norman thoughts in my head that DJ was going to blow this big lead, but he didn't. He flipped the switch. He played very consistent golf. It's not like he let anything. It's such a cliche to say he's unflappable because he's such like a bro dude and just from the South and doesn't really care and just hits the ball fast and all that. But I mean, he really is Nick. Like it was, it would have been easy for him to shoot like a 38 in the front and all of a sudden six guys are in this tournament on the back, but that's not what happened. He, he, he closed it out pretty early. Going into the round, I uh, did you think he was going to win? Like last night going to bed, did you think for sure he was going to win? I would have been shocked if any, there was any other outcome. That, that's how I was last night. I'm like, okay, DJ's got it. DJ by a million. Then I woke up this morning. Started doing some uh, a little bit of research, reading a couple articles, and it was like, yeah, he's uh, 0 for 4, closing out 54-hole leads. And I looked at his scores in those other majors, and, and three of them were U.S. Opens, plus 11, minus 4, plus 3, plus 5. Um, so I, then I was like, wait a second, maybe. I mean, because in, in golf, like a four-stroke lead, it's great, but it, like you said, it can't evaporate in the first few holes, and then it's a whole new ball game, and then the person who had that lead is rattled. Clearly, he hasn't gotten done from this position. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's unflappable. I would say that he kind of he kind of outgrew maybe that reputation for not being able to get it done from the leader position. I just think that he's a guy who puts himself in positions to win a lot. And on for some reason in regular tour events, he converts those way more often than he does in major championships. And... You know, I heard one of the announcers say, well, now he's going to go on and win a bunch. I mean, maybe he will, maybe oh he God. won't. We, we well, never he know. Is, he's 36. First of all, we we say that about everybody who After wins every a major. Colin Morikawa is still stuck at one, people. So let's not get crazy. <laughs> um, he is 36. So it's not like he's it's not like he's 22 and he's got 20 more years of his prime. And it's not a and young 36. DJ's lived some life. <laughs> he's put some miles on it for sure. But... 
he he's certainly still in his prime. I'm not saying he's yeah. he's peaked. You know, he kind of got got one in the twilight. By no means am I saying that, but his window ahead of him is shorter than a lot of other guys out there. So let's not hand him a bunch, but but for sure, I mean, it's much more fitting that he has two than if he would have somehow finished his career with one. I mean, the list of guys who have won both a U.S. Open and a Masters is not very long. Like, I'm not, I don't want to diminish any other majors, but those are the top two majors. If you win those top two events, you're in some pretty incredible company. So I've done a lot of work on sort of where DJ is, Nick, in relation to this generation. And, you know, we're basically one-fifth of the way through the 21st century. Like, golf has stopped, basically. The first 20 years are in the bank. So it's kind of yeah. interesting to look at this in context. Do you want to do that, or do you want to go to the other players first? Let, let's talk for DJ. Let, let's do that. DJ? Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about this. Obviously, Tiger, the best player of the 21st century. Phil, number two. I don't think those are going to be disputable by anyone. Now, I'm looking at just from 2000 to now. So excluding what Tiger and Phil did in the 90s, they're still way above everybody else. I mean, Tiger's got 67 wins, 13 majors, 683 weeks at number one. Phil's got five majors and 31 tour wins. Those guys are head and shoulders above everybody else. But the case for number three is interesting. Now, I don't think there's an American you can really put up against DJ now. You could have made an argument for Spieth. You could have made an argument for Brooks because of the majors. But now, because of DJ's longevity, in addition to two majors, 104 weeks at number one, and six World Golf Championship wins, I don't think any other American, even though others have more majors, can compare to that resume. Well, for comparison's sake, and I don't know if you have this in front of you, what is Spieth's resume in the 20th century, 21st century? Because I, I know he's got the three majors, and I'm surprised if he's not close to him in in overall wins. In in uh, I mean, I don't know how long he was number one in the world, but do you, what's the comparison? No, I mean, you look at DJ, and Brooks is actually closer in world number one weeks than Jordan Spieth is. I think Spieth is... It, Speed is about where Justin Thomas is, where they're like in that 12 to 15 win range. So, you know, there's a lot of PGA Tour wins, but just DJ has done it for such a long period of time. I mean, Speed and Thomas are pretty comparable. Yeah, Speed has 11 PGA Tour wins and three majors. Mm -hmm. um, but Jordan Speed may turn out to be this weird flash in the pan. I don't think you could look at him as, even though he has three majors, which is crazy, almost won the Grand Slam in a calendar year, which is still nuts to think about. Um, and, you know, JT piled up a bunch of PGA Tour wins, one major. I think Brooks is really the only other person. We're talking just Americans, just in the 20th, 21st century, rather. Brooks has seven wins. He has four majors. I know Nick is not a Brooks guy, so I'm not going to get it. He's growing on me. No he is? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but can we, there's, can we? There's one more guy I think who is at least in this conversation. An American. American with with two green jackets. Bubba's got two masters. And oh, he's boy. got 15, 18 tour wins. No. No, I don't think he's. I don't. I don't think Bubba has that many tour wins. Let's see. Bubba he's, has. He's in double digits for sure. He has twelve. Okay. Twelve PGA tour wins. A couple green jackets. Nice career. You know Very what? Nice. Borderline Hall of Fame career. But two masters. Okay. Well, I'm not here to argue Hall of Fame, but carry on. So 
do you concede then that DJ is the top American? We've basically exhausted yes. all the Americans. Absolutely. Okay. So I think we have three people internationally. So we're talking the third best player of the 21st century. I think you have three people. Okay. Yeah. You have Ernie Els, okay. Ernie Els, VJ Singh, and Rory McElroy. I'm just going to run through the resumes real quick. Ernie Els, okay. 11 PGA Tour wins, 20 European Tour wins, two majors, two World Golf Championship wins, nine weeks at number one, not too shabby for Mr. Els. And he won, a, but, and he won two U.S. Opens and a bunch of PGA Tour events in the 90s. And, and a, a, a lot of that, like I was going to say, was probably in Tiger's prime. Yes, 100%. But Els, out of all these guys, maybe, maybe Tiger, I mean, out of the three we're mentioning, Els has the most in the 90s. That's not counting toward this. But still a very impressive. Vijay Singh, you speak of doing things in Tiger's prime. Vijay Singh had this crazy, in his 40s, renaissance. Was he doing anything fishy? Maybe, I don't know. But here's his resume. Your antler spray? Your antler spray. That's that's your boy. And he got kicked off the Asian tour for cheating. But we're not here to discuss that, Nate. That's not important. BJ Singh, 26 PGA Tour wins. This is just 2000 and later. Two majors, including a Masters. 32 weeks at number one. However, these are probably, in my estimation, the most impressive number one weeks we're going to discuss because those 32 weeks came in Tiger's second prime. If you say 2000 was his prime, 2005 was his second prime. And BJ Singh, like Tiger and VJ were so far ahead of everybody else. Even though Phil was winning majors in that era, he still wasn't as close to those guys. I mean, VJ won, I think, nine times in 2004 to beat Tiger Woods in the number one world ranking. So definitely a strong case for VJ Singh. Joe, can, um, can I put you on the spot? Can we commit to doing a VJ Singh deep dive sometime during this offseason? <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Just- just you saying he got kicked off the Asian tour for cheating, if, if I heard that right. Dude. Uh, uh, we, need to, we need all the, all the details on VJ in one place. There's a lot there. There's definitely been a lot of, like, it, it's the thing that comes up in, like, you're right, like a February issue of golf magazines every four years. VJ Singh in the early 90s gets kicked off the Asian tour. And VJ hates talking about it. There's all these, like, quotes of him being asked about it 15, 20 years later. Look, I wouldn't like being talked about getting kicked off of a golf tour and he doesn't either, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of meat on that bone, Nick. So here we go. We got L's, we got VJ Singh. In my opinion, I think Dustin Johnson's resume is more impressive than those two guys. Would you agree? Or do you think either of those guys I don't know. Argument? Uh, VJ's de- a strong argument for VJ. Really? So, yeah. I mean, I, I think you get more points for doing it at Tiger's prime. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got more wins in the same number of majors. Yeah. No, that's completely fair. I put DJ over VJ because of the weeks at number one. I know what I just said that he did it. (laughs) Sorry. No, you're fine. But I think because of the number of weeks at number one and DJ's, I mean, what do we have? We have five weeks left. DJ is going to be number one for a while after this Masters win. So you're going to accrue more and more. He's probably going to be number two, if not, you know, number three in all-time weeks and number one. It's Tiger, it's Norman, and it's everybody else. So DJ's not that far back. So I understand. I think Rory McIlroy, who's the other person I'm going to mention, I think he is still the third best player of the 21st century. So here you go. Rory's case. 18 PGA Tour wins. 
14 European Tour wins. Now, some of those majors and World Golf Championships count as both, you know, right. Euro and PGA, but still, he won a lot of events that didn't. Four majors, a Players' Championship, and 106 weeks at number one, which is just a couple more weeks than DJ as we're recording this podcast. Um, I think Rory has ascended to higher highs than DJ has, even though DJ has a level of consistency. I think the two more majors put Rory over the top because the other metrics are very much neck and neck. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The, the consistency for DJ, the, the tour win every single year of his career is, I mean, that's, that's, there's so many things that will go unrecognized, but that's incredibly hard to do. I'd like to see the list of guys who have gone, you know, year after year after year with, with a win because so many guys get into a slump. I mean, it's hard to win. You know, you might, you might even have a good season and not get a win. So to do it every single year, I think, I think you got to uh, earn some extra points for that. Okay. So there you go. Dustin Johnson, 2020 masters champ. Very, very good at golf. Anything more in DJ? Or do you want to move to other players or other well, topics? Nick, we got a lot to, yeah, we, to go the, through. If DJ was the winner, the runner up was the masters app. <laughs> How much did you use and love this thing? I mean, Masters.com, the Masters app, like, where is every other tournament and event on this? Like, this was so far and above any other coverage you get from any other event, whether it's football, golf, you name it. It was incredible. I, know you, were all, I know you were all over this app. It, it, it made it tough to watch what was happening on CBS. Like, I'll tell you how I watched the final round. So once DJ kind of had it in the hand, but I wanted to see the shots that would happen. I wanted to see if Cam Smith would make a run or shoot the round in the 60s, which he did, which we'll talk about. So I have my computer up in the bathroom, and I'm cleaning the bathroom as it's happening. And I don't have – and I have, you know, the Amen corner cover junks. I know they're coming there. I want to see all the shots of the guys in the Amen corner. I picked the mic group, the virtual ball flight, basically being able to go through any player's scorecard and seeing every, like, swing they do and, like – you, you can watch around in like 10 minutes. It was incredible. Um, the Masters app got a little buggy for me. A little buggy for me. Really? Look, I'm an Android boy. I may make mm. that change over the holidays. Haven't made the decision yet. But the Masters.com website was flawless. I absolutely loved it. I had, well, first of all, I was very, very intrigued on seeing like how Bryson was going to approach the course. And so just having that like virtual ball flight for every shot and be like, Here's where, he try, here's where he's hanging it on 13, on 15, on 3. Uh, that was a nice element. Being able to do the My Group was an awesome way to watch while I was at work because I, I was like very distracted by work, which was super annoying. And, but I just had this stream of guys we picked, guys I was interested in, yeah. guys making a run, and the great shots. And so no matter what I looked up, there was always something I wanted to see on my screen. It was incredible. Really enjoyed like the, the wall, wall. I woke up yesterday morning in bed. It was like seven thirty, and I was like, "Oh, I think the Masters is starting." Put up the app. Boom! I'm just I'm watching it from my bed in like two seconds. It, it, yeah, it we don't have this on the list, Nick. But this is the second consecutive year where we've had a Sunday very very early start on the West Coast, morning start on the East Coast for the, for the leaders teeing off. Um, should we just stick with this? I I kind of love this seven a.m. leaders tee off on the West Coast. I'm sure it's great for you, too. You're done by, by 2 p.m., 3 p.m. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, obviously, we never will because, of, I mean, you, you sacrifice so much to get this convenience. Yeah, the money, the you know, you're making, you're doing a 2T start. I don't think that's a tradition that, <laughs> that Augusta really wants to implement no. uh, moving forward. But uh, it's, it's certainly nice when we lock into it. 
Um, do you want to start running down a few of the guys that had good weeks? I got one more, one more thing. So okay. we, we praised, we praised the Masters app. Great job. I, I gotta call into question. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you caught this. The broadcasters were not allowed to use the term "mudball" on the air this week. You're referring to when someone hits a shot, the ball collects mud, and the term for that is a mud ball. Yeah, everybody knows what a mud ball is. There's a there's a speck of mud on your ball. And they the Masters or Augusta barred the broadcasters from using the word mud ball. They said you can't, you, can't say, you, you cannot say mud ball on air. So and I heard about this going into the tournament. And so it, it was so funny to see how they would talk around it because it's an important part of the strategy. On 13 today, DJ, maybe it was 15, I think it was 13, was forced to lay up because he was he was within reach of the green in two, but he had a mud ball and he didn't want to risk hitting it in the creek because you can't predict where that thing's going to go. The and psychology. So, Sorry. It's a part of the broadcast, right? It's, well, it's important to mention, but they're not allowed to say mud ball. I'm I'm more inter- I'm 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 less interested in the broadcasters not being able to use it, and I'm more interested in the psychology that goes behind that request being made of the broadcasters. Because here's what I'm thinking in my head: I think they are, I don't know, worried about the perception of the golf course being too soft, and as a result, a mud ball is a consequence of a golf course that's either too wet. Or not in good shape. Augusta never wants their course to appear in that fashion. So do they think the viewing public is so dumb that we're not going to be able to tell Muddles in the ball when Tiger hits a bad shot and he goes, mud ball? I mean, <laughs> I mean we're going to know that's happening. That's that's so insulting well, also, to the audience. It is. Like, how stupid do they think we are? There's a three-hour rain delay on Monday. Balls are plugging left and right. People are shooting 20 under par. We know the course is soft. This is not our first Masters. We know no. what's going on here. I had I had no idea that that was out loud, but that's... Um, so, uh, the uh, wow. the phrase they kind of went with was, that ball has collected some earth on it, which <laughs> I, thought was, I thought was classic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that moving forward. Augusta National, never change. Um, now, we, now we can talk about your boy uh, from, from down under. Yeah, how about Cam Smith? How about being the first player in Masters history to shoot four round in the 60s and lose by five? That's tough. He, he, it is tough. He had a great week. I mean, he hit some incredible shots. And I, I really kind of liked the President's Cup vibe because we had a couple Americans and a couple President's Cup. We had a South African, Australian, South Korean um, making up those last couple groups. So that was kind of fun for me. Um, it made me root harder for DJ a little bit, but he, he played well. I mean, the recovery on 15, I don't know if you saw it. He was like 60 yards left of the green, uh, yeah. and two somehow awesome. got up and down for birdie. Uh, his, I forget what hole it was where he was out of the pine straw, hits it, takes the slope on the left side of the green to like two feet for yeah, birdie. Nine. That was an incredible um, shot. Yeah. He was, he was awesome. And, and clearly he was doing it all week. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is his second top five finish in the last three Masters. He finished T5 in 2018 and finished tied for fourth at uh, Chambers Bay in the U.S. Open. So he's got some chops. He's won a couple times in the PGA Tour. He'd rather have a green jacket, but now he's got a record. Look, they've handed out 84 green jackets. Only one player has shot 
sub 70 all four rounds and that's Cameron Smith. So good for him. Um, just like he'll pop up in a few more leaderboards. Nick, I was, um, I was pleased to see, speaking of President's Cup, our boy, Sung J.M., playing very well. DK yeah. Gave DJ a little scare on the front nine there, but uh, impressive week for him. Do you think Sung J.M., the comparison I keep making in my head is, okay, here's a really unique golf swing. Here's someone who never misses a cut. Probably not going to win a ton, but he's always going to be around. Is Sung J.M. Uh, Jim Furyk for the next 20 years? I don't know. I mean, it's too early to say. Uh, he, he's 22. He was incredibly consistent this week. So, I mean, I think if he if he is that well-rounded and he can take one or two of those elements of his game to the next level, he could rack up a bunch of wins. I mean, he plays every week. Um, he hits every fairway. I mean, maybe he gets the putter hot for a couple months and racks up a couple wins. I mean, I could see him. I mean, like I said, he's 22. Let's give him some time. If, if he can maybe get a little better, he could rack up some wins. I, I was very impressed with him this week. So his 15 under total is the lowest in tournament history by a player making their Masters debut. And his second place tie is the best ever Masters finish by a player from Asia. So pretty impressive debut. And I, I want to say when we did our trivia, the lowest score anyone had ever shot without winning may have been 14 under. I think that record may have been broken this week. I'll have to go back and check. But I, I want to say that the 15 no. under may be the lowest score of any non-winner in Masters history. That is correct, and it was done by two guys. Two so, guys. Yeah, imagine well, how they feel. You, you they tell them on Friday or on Thursday, hey, you're going to go shoot 15 under. You know, they're sizing up their jacket. Lo and behold, they lose by five. Good week. Good week for Sunjay and, and both Cam Smith. Nick, uh, Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy. The big, first of all, the big thing everyone has said, oh, if Rory didn't have that 75 in the first round, he would have had a real chance. Rory would have had to have turned that 75 into a 66 he lost by nine so i'm sorry like i understand that that first round kind of goofed up his score and he wasn't close to dj but eh, he finished nine shots back good week for roars t5 if rory would not have had a 75 in round one he would have had a 75 in round three you know he plays his best golf at the masters when he's not in contention and it's nice that he can play great golf at augusta but he hasn't done it when he's got a chance to, to do something with it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow something from the great Justin Ray, great, great statsman of the internet for golf. Uh, since winning the 2014 PGA Championship, which was Rory's last major victory, McElroy is a combined 74, excuse me, McElroy is 64 under in majors in rounds two through four. So two through four, he's 64 under par majors the last five years. He's 28 over par in the first round. In his last six opening rounds at Augusta, McElroy is a combined two under. He has a combined 37 under the next three rounds. So this is this is officially enough data to call us. This is this is 20 major championships where Rory is consistently bad in the first round, consistently great in the final three. It's a it's a weird trend. I actually heard him talk about it. His his interview with Amanda Balioth was actually pretty interesting after the round. He said that he typically is so jacked up for the Masters, and Rory isn't someone who I don't think exaggerates or messes with us or just says stuff. Rory said he's so jacked up and he has, feels so much like pressure and juice from the fans that he typically loses 10 to 15 pounds every Masters week. And because the fans what? weren't there, yeah. 
10 to 15 pounds. And because the fans weren't there, it wasn't the same effect this week. But I don't know what it is, but it's it's definitely a trend at this point. It's a scary trend because if you're not getting off to if you, like they say, you can't win a major, you can't win a tournament on Thursday, but you can lose it. And if you're if you're losing them on Thursday, um, you know you're not you're not going to win anymore. So that is that is a frightening stat, and I'm surprised that somebody with four majors is unable to control the emotions on a Thursday of a major. Um, but I mean, t- 2014 his last major. That's a long time ago a long time ago nick we were we were both young men back then um now we have plenty more to get to we have tiger bryson the ageless bernhard longer but nick should we tell the people about precision pro golf before we dive further into this masters absolutely i mean the holidays are coming up joe right around the corner precision pro golf.com if you want to support our podcast and support your your golf game lower your scores hit more greens you need a rangefinder from Precision Pro. Use promo code TURN10. You're going to save $10 on that rangefinder. Or golfer in your life, the holidays are coming right up. It's time to get your holiday shopping done for that special person. Promo code TURN10. You're going to save $10 on a rangefinder, the perfect gift. Whoever is the recipient of this rangefinder, whether it's you or your significant other, your best buddy, that person is going to hit more greens, lower their scores. 2021 may be their best golf year ever. With PrecisionProGolf.com, promo code TURN10. Already excited for next golf season. No longer the defending champion, Tiger Woods. Nick, he got us all hot and bothered on Thursday. A bogey-free 68 to open. I think he reached 6, 7 under par in the second round thinking, Oh, baby! Tiger, DJ, JT, Rob, let's go. And he had a decent Friday, didn't do much Saturday. Sunday was a bit of a roller coaster. Do you want to get right to number 12? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whoa. Just the whole week, (laughs) roller coaster of emotions from Tiger. We went from excitement, hope, to satisfaction. He makes the cut. A 10, Joe? When's the last time you made a septuple bogey? It's been a while since I've made a 10, especially on a par 3. But look, when you put 3 in the water, they start to add up pretty quick. Mm. Cool Did you part. hear his explanation? No, I didn't hear him talk about it. He, he, he said in his interview with Amanda that he committed to the wrong wind, which <laughs> I mean, his ball, he, he landed on the green, spun it back into the water twice. Um, and then, and then well, blasted into the bunker and then blasted that one into the water. Um, that was, that was something else. I hate when I commit to the wrong wind, but coolest thing about it. And damn CBS, if they don't do a terrible job of showing a lot of golf, I don't care where he is. If Tiger Woods closes out the masters, making five out of six birdies down the stretch, which he did today, you show me that golf. I want to see that golf. They didn't show enough Tiger. I don't care if he's out of contention. Can Tiger just play like he just made a 10 all the time? Because where did this come from? He just goes on a six-hole stretch to close out the Masters with five birdies? He finished the tournament under par. He shot 76 (laughs) with a 10 on the card. I know. (laughs) Imagine making a 10 on a par three and then just rattling off birdies on five of your next six holes. 
Well, that's the thing, is I see all these takes of like, oh, Tiger, Tiger made a 10 and struggled on Sunday. How is no one focusing on the fact that he finished five under on his last six holes? That's amazing. Tiger should have shot 85 today, and he shot a 76. I know it's never going to come up at all, but this is the greatness of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods grinded out a top 40 at the Masters this year. Phil Mickelson did the complete opposite. Mickelson blew up, and he blew up big. Mickelson finished over par. But Tiger, to rattle off five of six, break 80. And the coolest part about it is this is what a psycho he is. You know he cares about this stuff, too. You know he feels great about making five out of six to close out his Masters. I thought it was spectacular. What a final nine holes from Tiger Woods. I'm going to just play the the what-if game and just say what if Tiger makes par there. If he makes par, you and I both know he probably doesn't birdie five of the next six. I'm sure that was fueled by something that he hasn't felt in a long time. But let's just pretend he makes par there and then still birdies five out of the next six. He would have finished T13. Yeah. It was a great week for Tiger. I mean, really one bad swing. If he hits that green, if he commits to the right wind instead of the wrong wind, boom. He's a top 15 finish. Yeah, I mean, if Tiger shoots 72 today, he went 68, 71, 72, and then 76 because of the 10. I don't call it a bad week. I call this a good week. People were like, Tiger hadn't played golf. This is the best Tiger's looked since the restart. There's there's this no getting around it. Best case scenario. I mean, going into it, I would have bet he'd missed the cut. I mean, he, he hasn't shown us anything good in such a long time. We had no reason to believe he would play well. Um, that 68, the bogey-free 68 made it that much better. It was like, yeah. oh, my God, like, Tiger, he, it's just a different person when he comes to Augusta. Um, he had a great week. He should be happy. I mean, he's got five months to rest before he tees it up again. Oh, you know who else has five months to rest before they tee it up again, Nick? Uh, Bryson. Your boy. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm just going to sit back and let you talk. Tell me, tell me what happened. Tell me your thoughts. How do you do? What's, what's going on with your boy? I know he's dizzy. I don't want to make fun of it, but I know he's dizzy. No. Uh, number one. He's just, he's fascinating. I, I think it was pure, for me, it was pure entertainment. Like, I enjoyed watching because you don't know what's going to happen. Like, is he going to make a two or a three or is he going to make a seven? Like, who knows? Where is he going to hit the ball? What is he going to complain about? That I, I did watch that, that lost ball on number three unfold on Friday. And I, I don't know if I felt bad for him. I'm just like, Nobody wants to be in that situation where they hit a shot and they know where it went and then they have to take a two-stroke penalty and go back to the tee. Um, overall, so Bryson on the week made 18 birdies. He had a triple, two doubles, and 11 bogeys. I, I don't. I, I think you know that the bogeys and the doubles, there might be part of his game. Obviously too many. He's going to need to clean those up. I don't know if he's going to commit to this i mean is 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 this something he's going to continue to keep doing or is he going to look back and say that there's too much sloppiness on the card i mean i don't know it was very interesting to watch it was it was entertaining for me i'm glad he made the cut and got the full 72 holes to experiment i am very interested to see what changes he makes for the next masters that he's already preparing for now because it's coming up in just a few months um I don't know. I, I I don't know. It's it's just fascinating. I think that's the one word I can say is it's fascinating. Well, it seems as though he attributes what happened to whatever, how he feels. I saw two interviews with him and he said both times he has felt dizzy, tested for COVID, came back negative. That seemed to be his thing. So 
if he looks at his decision-making and said, I made sound decisions, but my body couldn't execute my sound thinking, he'll do the same thing in April. But if he can reflect and say, well, you know, even though I wasn't physically 100%, I can now see that some of my decisions were poor. I have to say, watching, I probably watched him play nine holes throughout the course of the week. I don't think his decision-making was bad. Um, I just think some of the execution was. Like, I watched him play 13 on Friday. And the line he took, 13 is the par three where you got to hit a, a big right to left shot. The par five. Bryson didn't because Bryson teed it a mile in the air and he just blasted it over the trees on a direct line to the hole 330 and had 115 in for his second shot. And then, you know, hit a pretty mediocre wedge to 20 feet and made a two putt. And it's that sort of stuff. If, yeah. if Bryson's going to come out and say these are par fours, which they are if he executes those tee shots then he has to take advantage of it. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually do it. And I'd be surprised if he changes up his tact a lot. I think it's going to stick with what he did here. I think it has a chance to work. He just has to execute it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he did not strike the ball well at all. I mean, his he was driving it all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you never knew where it was going to go. And I don't think that's been a trend of his this year. I mean, I when you're pounding it 350 yards in that vicinity – there's going to be some some spray. You know, we all we all experience that from week to week, you and I when we're hitting a 350. You're not going to you're not going to hit every fairway and I think he takes that into account and I would say this he played poorly. You know, a lot of guys play poorly on any given week. So, you know, I think a lot of guys if they brought the game that that Bryson brought would have missed the cut. I think it's maybe it's a testament to him that he made the cut. Maybe he's sitting there saying, "I played as absolutely awful as they possibly could have played, plus some bad luck on top of that, and still made the cut. Maybe he's maybe he's taking positives away. I don't know. But I, I, I again, I'm just fascinated to see what's going to happen. And the question I wanted to ask, I have two questions on Bryson. Uh, we'll start with this. If it were Bryson who shot 20 under par and one by five, would the reaction be different than than DJ? Yeah. A hundred percent. Because this, you think this people would say that Bryson broke Augusta. He set the scoring record. He he blew away the field, and and things need to change, or or like now everybody is trying to emulate his game. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's just all the narrative, right? Like Dustin Johnson has been expected to do this at Augusta National for a long time. He happened to do it this week and did it in a degree to no one's ever done. I think you can look at it and say, oh, well, soft golf course, it was November, the second place finishers, those are the best ever too. All kinds of scoring records were set. You know, we can't really say that this is anything that is going to be permanent. But if Bryson DeChambeau did it, because the narrative that surrounds him is Bryson's doing things at a USO we've never seen before. Now Bryson is, you know, hitting it on other fairways and taking lines that we never intended to do what if, what if other people copy Bryson? What if the next generation, what if we have 15 Bryson DeChambeau's out here in 15 years, this golf course is obsolete and becomes a joke? Those are real conversations that old white men are having half drunk at 2 a.m. chain smoking cigars. They're really concerned about this stuff. Whether or not that's valid, I don't really know. I do think that if Bryson did this, it'd be labeled a freak show and some people would panic and others would be like, this is great for golf because it was Dustin Johnson, the number one player in the world, who doesn't represent this disruption of the current game of golf, even though he might, you, you could make a case that he should. <laughs> Absolutely. 
But DJ's has been around for so long. We're used to him, and Bryson is something new and scary. Okay, so I, I have I have two more things. Uh, number one, I was getting the vibe going into this week that people were starting to get excited about Bryson. Like people have long hated his shtick, and they're sick of him. And you know, when he wasn't playing well, everyone's you know I, I hate Bryson. You know, there's a big there's a big anti Bryson bandwagon. But then I I got the vibe. You know, between the U.S. Open and now, that people are like, oh, man, yeah, let's go. I can't wait to see this guy. Like, the Bryson bandwagon was growing. But now, once he started playing poorly, Twitter, all, all the Bryson haters came back out. What What is the fans' vibe on Bryson? Do people love him? Do they hate him? What is the pulse on the casual person who watches golf? Well, I think, you know, Bryson DeChambeau is, is viewed through – there's a couple things. So Bryson is viewed through a golf lens, but also an internet lens. So, you know, even if people who participate in social media, like Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and that kind of stuff, even if they aren't like a golf super person, they know if they're in the know about sports, you know about Bryson DeChambeau because he's this guy, he's this giant kind of freak of nature. And that's a fun thing for the internet to poke fun at, right? So because the attitude was anti-Bryson, at its genesis, once he kind of came out and it's like, well, this guy kind of sucks. I think that there was then a faction of people, which I think was what you're referring to, where there's a thing where if you have an antagonistic perspective to what the norm is, that then becomes something new that you can run with. So because the conventional wisdom was Bryson's weird and annoying, people then got the perspective of, oh, well, it's more fun to actually say Bryson is cool and I'm going to adopt this persona as I like Bryson DeChambeau. But of course, once he starts doing bad at Augusta, everyone abandons those things and they know the best thing that they can do for themselves and their brand and their content or whatever is to make fun of Bryson DeChambeau. So I think it's kind of through a golf and a social media lens. I do want to comment about one other thing though, Nick. I read a really good article and I can't remember the guy's name, but he put it very well about Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau is a lot like Dustin Johnson in the way they play golf. Not the way they think about golf, but the way they play golf. And Dustin Johnson is perceived as probably like the quote-unquote coolest guy on the PGA Tour. Bryson has every reason to be cool. Hits ball mile, U.S. Open winner, very, very smart, in a bunch of commercials. Bryson's the least cool guy on the PGA Tour. He's a big nerd, and that's the just the vibe around him. And his thing is, he stopped worrying about why he should or shouldn't like Bryson DeChambeau, and he just appreciates the fact that something like this exists. And I think that's where I'm coming down on the two. I just think it's interesting to watch this guy at this time and just kind of see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I, I, I'm just letting the record show. As of today, I, I am still on the Bryson bandwagon. I think he's fun to watch. I root for the guy. I think a lot of people think he he's... He's acting for the media and for the cameras. I think he's genuine and he's just not afraid to about what people are going to think about him. So he just says what he's actually thinking. And I think a lot of guys are very arrogant and 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 they're maybe more humble in the media. And he's just, you know, he's just saying how he really thinks. And I have no problems with that. I respect that. The one thing I'll add uh, before we move on is if courses and tournaments and whatever think that they need to make their event longer play from farther back make their courses longer to bryson proof it they're only giving those types of players more of an advantage 
I remember uh, something that Earl Woods said when Tiger was bombing it way past everybody. He said, all these places that are lengthening their courses are just giving him more of an advantage. If you want to take his advantage away, play it shorter and bring all those other guys into the mix rather than take them out even more. Before we move on, speaking of Earl Woods, they moved the date of the Tiger documentary. It's now being released in January on HBO Max. So we got to, hey, anyone, if you want to give me and Nick your HBO Max password, please DM us at at the turn pod on Twitter with your HBO Max password. We will give you a shout out on the pod. And you know what, damn it, Nick, I'm going to send him a box of balls, too. How about that? How about that? And I might um, I might see if I can get like a one month subscription just to uh, just to check out that documentary. I'm going to be on uh, paternity leave that time. So uh, <laughs> that, that might line up perfectly for me. Perfect. And you can watch all the Sopranos or something else. Um, uh, yeah. OK, so there's one more person I want to talk about, Nick. And uh, he's not a young man. No, he's not. And I see a lot of notes you have on this person. I didn't see a lot of his shots. So I'm just going to let you launch in to uh, the, the Champions Tour player of the decade. Yeah. Arguably the best senior golfer of all time. He's got 41 Champion Tour wins just behind Hale Irwin's 43 for most all time. So, Nick, people are chasing down records on every tour right now. Not just the young fellas. The old boys are still getting at it, too. Bernhard Longer, the oldest player in Masters history to make the cut at 63 years old. His playing partner today, Bryson DeChambeau. It was the biggest disparity in the field. So Bryson led the field in driving distance. No surprise, at just under 324. Bernard finished dead last at 259. So you wow. have a humongous disparity Bernhard Longer beats Bryson DeChambeau by two on Sunday, shooting 71 to Bryson's 73. Incredible stuff. I mean, Bernhard Longer, I feel like he makes the cut every year at the Masters, so I was a little surprised that he didn't already have this record. But, you know, like him and Freddie, like if Fred Couples broke, made the cut at the Masters at 66, no one would be surprised. This is just one of those courses, even though Freddie's still a relatively long hitter for his age and Longer is not. Longer still wins. He grinds out there in the Champions Tour. It was, it was amazing. So I have this note. So stay with me. You may have to write some things down to follow this. But this is a really cool stat that I did not come up with. I've stolen this. Sorry, Internet. So Bernhard Longer's first major was the 1976 British Open. That was the last major championship played by Gene Sarazen. Okay? Gene Sarazen, born in 1902. Got it? Yeah. Gene, not to, not to make this even more complicated, Gene, 74, teeing it up in the open. That's right. Shout <laughs> out, Gene. It is amazing. So real quick, again, 1976 British Open, Longer's first major, the last major championship played by Gene Sarazen. We won't say his age again to confuse people. Gene Sarazen was born in 1902. In the field of the 2020 Masters, the winner of the 2020 Latin American Amateur Championship, Abel Gallegos who was born in 2002. So what this means, Nick, is Bernhard Longer has competed in major golf tournaments against someone born in 1902, Gene Saracen, and 2002, Abel Gallegos, which means Bernhard Longer has faced opponents born 100 years apart. Amazing! That is the coolest dad. Whoever does that... It really that, is. I hope, I hope this person... 
this is the beauty and the worst thing of the internet. I hope the person was able to benefit somehow from that statistic is amazing. It's I mean I'm I'm absolutely speechless. I mean You're right. that is I can't you can't, I can't even put that into perspective. Just let it sink in. Just just let that sink in. I meant to look up how uh, 74-year-old Gene Sarazen did at the 1976 British Open. I regret to inform you I did not do that research. So we're just going to leave that for the fans at home. Nick, do we have to talk about our picks? Well, we have one more thing. I mean, we got to talk, talk about the pin on 16. I know it's, it's out of order. But what the, when you woke up and we're, we're Google searching Masters final round pin locations 2020 and found the – the whole location on number 16, what was your reaction? The traditional hole-in-one location was not in play today. I think if they were ever going to do it, this was the year. Because... Are you defending this? I'm not I, hear, defending I, hear, I hear some defense. I'm not, I'm not defending it. Okay, okay. All I'm saying is that even though... I mean, I, I wrote a bunch of tweets about how my favorite hole at Augusta is 16. Because... You can make a birdie or a five there, and it's in front of everybody. It's in this weird little space. That's the thing. That's the thing, Nick. The pin on Sunday is conducive to making an ace. That's what's so great about it. If you yeah. can hit it perfectly on top of the hill, it can roll down into the hole or get really, really close. Or you can hit it in the water. Anything yeah. can happen there. But they stuck it on the far right corner. There were no patrons, and I think the lack of patrons is why they did that because they, they kind of make that hole. As, as much as you can say the fans were missed, I think they were most missed by me at that hole. Because the roar and the camera as it zooms in close to the ball, as it hits the hill, and you can kind of be like, oh, that's going to have a chance based on where it hits the hill, and you know how it's going to roll down, and the fans get more and more excited. Like, imagine watching Tigers chip it on 16 with no fans. The fans were half the fun. So I'm not defending it, even though I spent a minute and a half <laughs> doing that. but. <laughs> Um, yeah, this was the year to do it if you were ever going to do it. I don't think they should have, but this was the year. Two things. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to all the guys in the field today who, in protest of the new pin location, just played the slope and played the ball down to the left anyways. Because every time I looked up, guys are teeing off and they're hitting on that slope and they're catching the slope and it's rolling down to the left and I'm just like, hell yeah, you stuck to the plan. You've been planning on hitting this shot for six months, for 18 months, and you said, I'll be damned if I'm going to play to the back right. No, I'm playing this slope. I'm playing it down. Who cares if I have a long putt coming back? And I, DJ was one of those guys, and I love him for it. And he won the tournament. So props to all the guys who did that in protest. Number two, mm. all your points that you just made, this is the year to do it. Sure, I agree that the fans on that hole make it. But but why? what's the motivation for moving it? It doesn't make the tournament more exciting to no, move an ace pin location on the 16th hole of the Masters. Yeah, I have I have no I have no justification for doing. I'd that. like to I, I'd like to I'm going to do some research on this, and, and if I can find an answer as to why, I'm sure somebody will will, will report why they made that decision. I'm interested in, in finding out, and I will report back. Check our Twitter in the next I don't know. Give me six weeks uh, to come up with this answer. <laughs> See you in the new year. All <laughs> right, so I'll hit my picks, Nick. All um, right. My dark horse, Sergio Garcia, DNP. He got COVID, so. I, uh, I, I put it out on Twitter. I, I took Cam Champ as my dark horse uh, at 80-1, to 1, and he had a nice week. He finished 6-under, T19. Bubba Watson, never really a factor. 
57th, did make the cut, finished plus four. Patrick Reed was a factor for a minute. Uh, he was one shot back going into the third round. Actually, briefly was uh, one shot back on Saturday and then just didn't do enough down the stretch, and he finished T10. Nick, I thought one of your picks was going to have a chance, and it just never materialized. Yeah, yeah, you know, he was looking good, but uh, he ended up Jason Day missing the cut. No, my dark horse was Jason Day. He missed the cut. Thanks a lot, Jason. John Rahm was my contender, and he looked pretty good. He was very solid. He was 10 under par, uh, finished tied for seventh. So uh, a nice showing there from John Rahm. And he did have to play the first two days with Bryson, which I think probably threw him off his game a little bit. Uh, he's not used to being um, playing to playing not last from the fairway. So, um, And then Bryson was my pick to win. Yeah. Obviously, we already touched on him, but uh, I think he will look much better next April. So Ricky, there you go. Ricky, Ricky I... was minus three, T29, and uh, I think Hideki was in the mix for a minute there, too, but I don't have I don't see him in front of me, so maybe not. Oh, yeah, T13. Yeah, so uh, Ashley's picks in, uh, did all right. Yeah, Jordan Spieth did not do very well. I think he may have finished in the top 30, actually. Uh, that was Lacey's pick. To come through the resurgence did not happen yeah ricky just saw a lot of ricky fowler commercials did not Jordan see a lot Spieth, of ricky T- fowler birdie. t46 t46 yeah well there it is dustin johnson is the 17th player nick the 17th player to win both a u.s open and masters in his career wow pretty who, exclusive company who did you see before we sign off that you're mm-hmm. like this guy is really going to be a factor in April. You know, you, you, you know who it was, actually? Who? Brooks. Really? Brooks was steady Eddie. Nothing too impressive. Just kind of hung out. Just kind of did his thing. And where'd he finish? T7. Ted under. Had himself a nice Masters. Had himself a nice Masters, Nick. Um, yeah, he's the guy. It just, he's just, he's just so, he's just so rock solid. He just is. I mean, he went 70, 69, 69, 70 for the four rounds. It's, it's exactly what you want. Uh, birdie 15 every day. There are some bogeys out there, but yeah, I mean, if Brooks won a major next year, guess it wouldn't be surprised everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's true. My guy I'm going to mention is Justin Thomas. Uh, he finished fourth, minus 12, incredible round on Thursday. He looked like he was going to win by a million. And I know that he's the way he finished. It's not the way he wanted to finish. He, just a ton of pars out there. Couldn't make the birdies when he needed them. I think he's, it's really going to fuel him that he knows he can do it. He's got that confidence. He's, he's played in enough of these now to, the, to have an understanding of how you need to approach it. He's had some success. Um I, I would not be surprised at all if, if he puts the whole package together for four rounds or, or three rounds in, in an average one um, in April and gets it done. No, I hear you. Justin Thomas is definitely a guy who, I mean, if you look at his, his finishes in his career at the Masters, this is in order. T39, T22, T17, T12, fourth. So definitely good, trading the right trajectory. direction. Yeah. yeah, he's he's headed in the right direction. Uh, anything else for the 2020 Masters, Nick? You know what? I'm just 
glad we get another one in in five months. I think that's like the sixth time I've mentioned this, but like all I'm thinking about is April. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm also thinking about December. We have a women's major coming up in the middle of December. Nick, uh, is the kid due around the U.S. Women's Open? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so we may or may not have a U.S. Open review. We I, will. I'm gonna come we'll on here spit. No, we'll have to. Um, we'll get it done before before December first. How about that? Okay. That's that. Uh, an good. early an early preview. We'll do we'll do an early preview. That that's perfect. That'll give us two weeks. We'll do our prep work. We'll figure it out, and then uh, your guys' lives will change forever for the rest of your exactly. Life. Uh, okay well again congrats Dustin Johnson 2020 Masters champ congrats to neither Nick or myself as our picks were horrible for this Masters but hey as you mentioned we get another shot in April I'm Lacey Evans thanks for listening and we'll see you next time at the turn